Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Our guest for today's episode is my new friend, Kelly Minter. Kelly is a Bible teacher, a writer, a speaker, and she recently came out with a beautiful cookbook called A Place at the Table. Now friends, if you are anything like me, you really want to be like Kelly. You want to be the kind of person who invites people into your home, who cooks nourishing food for your loved ones, and who has wonderful conversations around the table that turn into lifelong best friendships. But again, if you're anything like me, the reality looks a little bit different. You're ordering takeout and heating up the leftovers far more often than you're cooking, and you're eating on the couch while watching Netflix far more often than you're gathering your loved ones around your table. Is that just me? Anyone else? Now, I am a forever fan of takeout and Netflix, but I also know that if this is all we're doing, we're missing out on some seriously wonderful opportunities for connection, community, and really good food. And that's why I'm so excited to have Kelly on the show today. Kelly's going to teach us why it's so important to gather your community around the table, and even better, she's going to teach us how to do it. Now listen, there are no prerequisites that you need to have covered in order to listen to this episode. This episode is for all of the terrible cooks out there, all of us who want to like cooking but aren't sure we actually do. It's for all of us who have tiny houses that are barely big enough for us, let alone big enough to host all of our friends. This is for those of us who recently moved to a new city and don't have a clue who we'd even invite over if we were to have a dinner party and more. Seriously, as a terrible cook myself, I asked Kelly all of my questions, and she answered them like a champ. I walked away with some truly doable ideas for how to grow in this area of my life, and actually, I've been cooking a lot more since our conversation. Friends, I'm so excited to introduce you to Kelly, but before I do, there's something I wanted to make sure to tell you about. In just a few weeks, registration is opening back up for my online course, Love Your Single Life. Now, if you're not familiar with Love Your Single Life, it's a four-week online course where, together with an amazing community of women, you'll learn how to make this season of being single a season of passion, purpose, and preparation. We talk about so much over the course of these four weeks, but here are just a few of the things we cover. We talk about how to fill this season with joy and contentment. We talk about how to use this season to become the woman you've always wanted to be and how that's the best way to set yourself up for the relationship you've always wanted. I'll teach you a powerful tool for building self-confidence, which also happens to be your dating secret sauce. I'll teach you ways of investing in your friendships, your relationship with God, and yourself that will make your life richer, more meaningful, and more fun. We'll talk about how to find good, quality men to date, even when it feels like you've run out of options. We'll talk about how to be proactive in dating while still being pursued, how to keep yourself out of the friend zone. We'll talk about what to do with your sex drive while you're single because, unfortunately, it doesn't wait until we're married to show up, right? And so much more. Guys, I only teach this course twice a year, but I'm so excited to say that one of those times is just around the corner. Registration begins on February 10th, but you can only register for five days, so make sure to check out the course soon. And once registration begins, be sure to sign up early because spots are limited. Guys, you can hear all about the course, and starting on February 10th, you can sign up there too at loveyoursinglelife.com. That link will also be in our show notes. Now, one quick thing. I know that some of you may be listening to this episode after February 10th or in a totally different time of the year, and that's fine. Head to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list, and you'll be the first to know next time the course opens back up. Okay? Okay. With that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here is my conversation with Kelly. All right, friends, I'm so excited for who I get to introduce you to today. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Kelly Minter. Kelly, thanks so much for being on the show. I am so excited to be here. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait to talk about all the things that we're going to talk about at the top of the year, which is really cool. Yes, yes. Um, Okay, so before we dive in, for women who aren't familiar with you yet, tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself. All right. So as you said, I'm Kelly Minter and I am a Bible study author primarily. And I also travel all over the country and teach the Bible, do a little bit of work overseas with Justice and Mercy International in the Amazon jungle and also in Moldova, which is in Eastern Europe. And uh, also have written a cookbook recently, which is another little piece of what I do. I have an event for women called Cultivate. So that is a, actually a big piece of what I do right now. We do about 10 events a year. And that is so much fun. And a fun little fact, I 
you know, I think this is a fun fact because I don't think too many people know this anymore. But when I first came to Nashville 18 years ago, I came here because I was pursuing a career in music and I signed a deal with Word Records. And so I actually started out totally in the music industry, was at Word, was at Provident, was at a company that's now um, part of Integrity and toured and was totally just playing guitar, singing, songwriting. And um, I had Sandy Patty cut one of my songs and Sonic Flood and all different artists that from back in the day. But anyway, that's kind of like a little known fact because I now am so much more writing and speaking than even though I'm still doing a little bit of music, but a lot of people don't know that part of my history. That's awesome. I guess I wouldn't have known that. So when it was funny because when I moved to Nashville, I didn't know anything about the music scene at all. And I still kind of don't. We have, you know, more, more and more friends who are, you know, musicians or, you know, work in the industry somehow. But when I first moved here, people would ask me what I do. And I would say, well, I'm a writer. And they would go, oh, okay. So like what, what songs? (laughs) Yeah. What songs are like, what publishing like music publishing is you can tell how much I know about this. Um, and I had to have someone like sit down with me and say, Stephanie, you in Nashville, you can't say you're a writer because that's songwriter. You need to say you're an author. And so I, I feel like that I had to make that distinction really quickly because everyone thought I could write songs and like, Kelly, I cannot write songs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I totally understand. And it is, it is like a very common thing that, yeah, if you say you write, people are assuming that you're writing songs, but now there are more authors in Nashville though. I feel like than there have been in the past. Yes, it's true. So, so there's more of a space for us. Um, yes. So funny. So you mentioned this, but you recently came out with a brand new cookbook. It's, I am holding it right here. It's called a place at the table. It is gorgeous. I have to tell you, can you tell us like what inspired this book? What is your background with food and hospitality? And just tell us, tell us how this book came to be. Yeah. So about 12 years ago, when I first wrote my very first Bible study for Lifeway, uh, I wrote a Bible study called No Other Gods. And it was, like I said, it was 12 years ago. I was actually in the throes of dealing with all of the hardship of losing a record deal and uh, like losing record deals and not really knowing where I fit. And so I had written this Bible study and I needed some girls to come over and help me kind of like test the material. And so we were all in our late twenties at the time. And the only way I felt like I could have them over was without feeling too bad about it was to cook for them. And so I would cook, they would come, they would help cook. Then as we continued to meet, I would go to their house and they would host and they would cook. And then, so when we, when I put up, put out my first Bible study, I thought, you know what, we should include the recipes that we cooked because I think that that is a way that it really just breaks the ice and people can have good conversation um, around the scriptures and about being honest, especially after you've cooked together and eaten together. So we included those recipes. Well, then it just took on a life of its own. Then every single time I wrote a Bible study, women were like, oh my goodness, what recipes? We've done the recipes. And then whether people were meeting in their homes or they were meeting in a church setting or potluck setting, I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten over the years or Instagram photos of, you know, everybody made one of the recipes in the study. And at the end of the you know, session or semester, we had a big, you know, party or whatever. So fast forward to six Bible studies later and a lot of recipes, I finally thought, you know, actually my publisher really uh, came to me and said, what, what if you did a true cookbook? And I'm like, you mean like a devotional cookbook? <laughs> Cause I just, am such a Bible study writer. And they said, no, like a cookbook cookbook. And because I love stories, I did write a lot of stories through the cookbook and it's a very story driven, very personal, very spiritually encouraging. But what's really cool is that it's an opportunity to to connect with people around us, uh, not only to help empower the person who is just super busy and super fried to be able to put some things on the table, but also it's just like, it's opening doors for me to talk about Jesus in a way that writing a Bible study on like Nehemiah, you know, hasn't opened. So it's really cool because it's really accessible. And so I really wanted to also reach the younger generation. I felt like there were people that maybe wouldn't connect with me on a Bible study level, but they might be willing to make butternut bisque soup in the fall. And, and then through the cookbook, they would get to know who I am. And so it's just, it was a new way for me to express the love of Christ, but also to empower the the younger generation and, you know, the older generation who's just busy to get cooking and to get people over. So that's maybe too long-winded of an answer, but that that's it. 
No, I love that. Is it, have you always, and I'm asking for very personal reasons because this is yeah, not my yeah. story. Um, have you always been a good cook? Like how is this, do you have like some natural skills that we maybe don't have? No. And and I'm actually really glad that you asked that question because I don't. And that is, it's really funny. One of my friends said recently, like, she's like, have you told people how bad of a cook you were when you came to town and how you like didn't know how to do anything? And I said, you know what? Thank you for reminding me of that. And, um, and, and then I, and of course I was a little defensive, like, okay, it wasn't that bad, but (laughs) the truth is, is that my mom, my mom did, she did cook for us and she modeled that for us, but I didn't do a lot of cooking with her. So when I left the house, even though we had sat down to home cook meals every single night, I didn't really know how to do that. So it wasn't until I was on my own and really this Bible study that forced me into cooking. And I will say, I do love it. There are some people that just really honestly hate it. Although I'm, I'm convinced though, that if we can get through over some obstacles that anybody can learn to love it. So I do love it. I do come with that natural passion, but I also just love food like crazy, but no, I was not a good cook. And I would even say today, I'm not a fancy by any stretch, um, accomplished chef, I want to make accessible, good tasting, mostly nourishing and whole meals for people. Now I did co-author this book with a true chef. Her name's Regina Pinto. She's from Brazil. She's awesome. And she is a lifelong full on chef. And I, I wanted to do this with her because I wanted, I did want to be able to tap into some of those higher level, you know, things and, and be able to challenge people where they wanted to be challenged and make sure that I was using the right language and saying the right things. And a lot of times I would just go to her and I would say, okay, Regina, I love pasta and I really want your favorite red sauce. Like I can do a red sauce, but what's your favorite red sauce? Let's put it together. So that's kind of, listen, I'm telling you, this is the cookbook for the beginner we did not put anything in there that was too terribly hard. And occasionally Regina pressed me on some desserts that were a little fancier, but th- for the most part, it's just really good food. So oh, yeah. Kelly, you are speaking my language. I, um, I love food. I love food. And I would even go as far as to call myself a foodie. I love reading about food. I love thinking about food. I remember my, <laughs> yeah. my like clearest memories have to do with food. I could tell right. you what I ate in a million different countries all over the world. That being said, I used to be a horrible cook. Now okay. I'm like just a barely scraped by kind of cook. Okay. Um, okay. And, and I do, it's funny because as much as I love food, I have never... I love cooking sometimes, but it's like okay. 10% of the time, 90% of the time, I would love to eat something someone else made for me. Okay. So what it. are, what are just out of my own, just like for my own heart, what are a couple of those obstacles that we can, like, what do we need, what do I need to get over so that I enjoy cooking more? Well, part of it depends on, I, I mean, you, part of it depends on what you, what keeps you from enjoying it. So a lot of times people, they're just tired by the end of the day. So if you just get to the end of the day and you're like, I am tired. I don't feel like going to the grocery store right now. I don't feel like chopping a bunch of things. I don't feel like, so a lot of it, you, you take that obstacle, whatever it is that is, you know, that is you're dealing with and you try to backtrack and think, okay, what can I, what can I do, especially ahead of time? So that's one thing that's really helped me is I used to think about dinner at like five 30 at night and that's just not the right time to be thinking about it, you know? So now that doesn't mean once you, I will say this, once you start to have a whole bunch of ingredients on hand, the things that you like, like I always try to have an onion, celery, carrots, garlic, rice, you know, maybe some vegetables, maybe some meat in the freezer. I always try to have like really basic things on hand. So if it is 5.30 and I'm pressed and I have to put something together quickly, I can. But if if you are, are new and you don't have that in your mind, I would say at the top of the week, go, okay, what, I want to try two things this week, or I want to try, I want to try a pasta dish and I want to try maybe a black bean and rice, or I want to do some chicken with some vegetables. And then you just hit that grocery store and you get your stuff ahead of time. And then I would do whatever you can do ahead of time, ahead of time. So that's the other thing. Even in even the slow cooker, it's just such an awesome thing. So like in the morning, you throw your chicken in there, you throw your vegetables in there, you put some spices, some butter, whatever, 
And then you just walk away. <laughs> and then eight <laughs> hours later, that thing is amazing. I'm also a huge advocate of leftovers. Now, some types of leftovers, people are like, oh, I get grossed out or whatever. But there are some leftovers, like certain pastas or even a certain roast or something that is awesome the next day or Mexican or soups. I mean, mm -hmm. you can make a soup at the top of the week and you can have that all week long. So I'm a huge fan of leftovers, but it, it's got to be the right kind. You know, obviously you don't, you don't want to have a salad leftover typically, right. you know? Right. Um, but so that's another thing. So I don't know exactly what keeps you from wanting to be in there. But for most of us, it's, we didn't plan ahead. We, we can't think of anything. We're tired and we're, yeah, we're not, we're, we don't have ingredients on hand that, that those are some of the obstacles for me. Am I hitting That's on any of them for you? A hundred percent. Every single one of those is me. I think it's like the end of the day, I'm tired and I'm completely poured out. And it's, that's the time when I'm like, okay, I need someone else to take care of me. <laughs> like I feel yes, like I'm taking right. care of everything. And now at the end of the day, it's food is so nourishing that it's like, uh, man, I'm craving nourishment. I'm craving care. I'm craving rest. And so having to then cook and do like a whole nother task doesn't feel restful, but everything right. you're saying on the weeks when I actually do that, when I like have a plan and even there was a point and I still have it somewhere. And I go back, like, uh, if I were to meal plan this week, I would hundred percent go to this thing. I sat down and made a list of like my 20 go-to meals or something. Mm -hmm. And it was just every combination. And I, I even put together like things that go with other things. So this is so random and Kelly, you might think this is terrible and gross. They have like, depending on which grocery store you go to, you know, you can get like a thing of pre-made meatballs, not like frozen, but just like in the meat, sure. in the like meat uh -huh. section or whatever. Yeah. But usually that's too many to like, unless you're feeding like a huge family or something, that's like yes. too many meatballs. Yes. And so something that I've started doing is like, okay, so one time during the week, I'll do something like spaghetti and meatballs. The other time, depending on how they're seasoned, I'll like smash them and make them into sliders. And then sure. that's like two whole meals that came exactly. out of one thing. But it really, so when I, when I took the time to actually do that, and then when I look at that list, it just helps so much because absolutely by 530, I'm d done with work. I'm starving. And the last thing yes. I want to do is try to is figure something out. Yeah. We got to do it ahead of time. And I also think too, once you begin to really enjoy what you're cooking, then that also really helps because like there are things that I, that that I cannot get anywhere else. Like I just can't, like there's a pasta dish that I love that, that actually in this, that's in this cookbook. It's chicken, it's sun-dried tomatoes, black olives, pine nuts, feta, a little bit of garlic, really simple. It's like seven ingredients in bow tie pasta. And I just, it's a specific taste and it's a specific dish that I love. I like to have the leftovers and and I enjoy that meal so much and I can't get it anywhere else that unless I cook it, I'm not going to have it. So that makes me enjoy the process more too, if I'm looking forward to something. Yes. And then I don't know, you know, if your husband likes to cook and a lot of times, you know, one spouse may, the other spouse may not, but I enjoy cooking with my friends, you know, and just having people around. And, you know, the other night we were watching football and I wanted, it was so simple. I wanted to make nachos, but I got a really good ground beef. Like I really like local grass fed, you know, and mm -hmm. it's not that much more. It's really not. And I did all that ground beef. And then I just had black beans and cheese and some jalapenos and tomatoes mm -hmm. and stuff. And we just made nachos and it was really simple, but it was so good and way more affordable. But I also had like my brother in the kitchen and I had a friend in the kitchen and everybody's kind of taking a piece of the the load and my sister-in-law is always great. And then that's kind of fun too. So yes, yes. I think you got to just think about the fun parts and try to highlight those and then try to minimize the stressful parts. And that makes, I mean, that, that seems helps. like it makes sense for everything. Like on nights when, you know, if I light a candle or have like a great sparkly something to drink or like <laughs> yes. a glass of wine or, you know, just like put on some music or something it, that helps so much. And I just forget the little things that can really make a difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the thing. Make it enjoyable, make it fun. Put your, put music on. Yeah. Enjoy the process. If, and, and that's the, that's the thing that you got, we got to change in our minds that we hate the process and we got to like, enjoy, let this, let this be our time where we get to control something. And that's another thing too. Like, I feel like there's so much in our lives that is just not, we just can't control. But when you get into the kitchen, unless you're doing something really elaborate, you can pretty much control what you're doing there. And that's kind of fun. 
Okay. I love that. I feel like, I don't know if anyone else listening is thinking, Kelly, you're totally convincing me here, but I, my, I can feel it. I'm like, okay, all right. What well, am I here's, dinner? here's the thing too, Stephanie. It's a, it's a biblical principle because you go all the way back to Genesis and God gave man and woman like dominion to cultivate the ground, to cultivate their food and their fruit. And to, I mean, it's like a gift. And that's what's so weird about the culture that we're living in right now. And I get it. I totally get it because we're all tired and we're all busy. But we think of cooking as a chore and having to put a meal together for ourselves as a chore. Really, it started out as an absolute gift. Even before the fall, you go all the way back to Genesis, the fact that we're able to cultivate and control something and put something together and be creative with it. Just even like you were with your sliders, you know, Hey, meatballs too many. I'm going to smash these and I'm going to make them into sliders. That's a creative move that you made and, and you had dominion over that. And that's actually a gift that God has given us. And so I think we need to lean in and enjoy it and rewrite the, the narrative and stop thinking of it as this huge chore and oh my gosh, and look at it as a blessing because it is one. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So I want to hear from you kind of zooming out a little bit to talk about, you know, and we talked about this a little bit, but with food and with hospitality and gathering around the table, what about gathering around the table is important? Like, why does this big picture, why does this matter? Yeah. Well, you had mentioned it, uh, you know, before we were recording, just that we'd rather so oftentimes, or not even rather, but what we're doing is we're eating fast food in front of the television or we're eating fast food in front of our iPhones, in front of the television. (laughs) Two screens, not just one, two. Yeah, exactly. Two devices. And we are, and I, I don't think I'm being dramatic. I really think this is true. We are losing the art of conversation. We're losing the art of storytelling. We're losing, I mean, think of the last time that you sat around either a table or in someone's living room and all you did was talk for an hour without any devices in your hand, without any screen in the background. We literally, after about 10 or 15 minutes, are so programmed now that we all have to grab our devices or we all have to start texting or we have to show somebody this, you know, movie or this GIF or whatever or meme or, and, and it's like, I really believe that getting around the table with other people is just the most truest form of fellowship and just nourishment and rejuvenation. And we're losing the, we're losing the ability to do it. And part of the reason we're losing it is not just because we have all these devices that we, we, you know, fall back on, but because we don't know how to cook and we're intimidated by it. And that's not an indictment that, that is just like, Hey, you know, I don't like trying things that I don't feel confident at. I don't want to, I don't want to do things that I don't feel like I know what I'm doing, but, but we can all cook, you know, we, we really can. And we may not all be great, but we can all put a meal down at the table. So what I think is that when we work so hard to put a meal down at the table and we've cooked it, then people are going to come. They are. I mean, you said it earlier and we all, and this is totally, I love it too. I love at the end of the day when somebody else is cooking for me, <laughs> you make a meal for me, I will be there. I will be at your house, do you know? Yes. So you cook, people are going to come. And then what ends up happening is around that table is that we begin to have conversation. And I think something around the table too, is that we are all on the same level field. We all need the nourishment. We, nobody's sitting on a higher place at the table than anybody else. We're all grounded and we get to encourage one another. Uh, We get to be vulnerable with one another. We get to laugh. I think that I really do believe that the meals that we have around with one another, whether it's around other people who are Christ followers or it's around people that that don't know Jesus, we have the opportunity to minister in a way that nothing else can there's something very intimate about food and table and community. So that's really the heart behind this, even more than getting people cooking or eating whole foods. The heart behind a place at the table is getting people together. I love that. I think, you know, the girls who are listening, I mean, know this, my life has been changed around the table. My (laughs) life has been so changed by having people in it with me. That's, I mean, the heart of God is community. He himself yeah. is community. And, yes. um, and that's exactly, you know, that's what girls night is all about. It's mm. why, why would we do life alone when we don't have to, we can do it together. And that's yes. like just game changing. And so one thing I do want to say, and I learned this from my mother-in-law, who's just the hostess with the mostest, because mm-hmm. I have such a heart for community, but you know, as you guys all know, like I'm not the best cook, 
One thing that I, I love that she gave me the freedom to do was to order takeout for friends. Uh-huh. And right, I, I'm yeah. so grateful for this. We have um, some friends in particular who we, they have two small kids. We all have crazy jobs and getting together is kind of hard. And so mm-hmm. what we've started doing is if Carl and I are going to them, which we do more now because they have two small kids, like babies, we'll pick up Chipotle on the way. And we'll yeah, get it for them. Yeah. We'll get it for us. And then we'll all sit around the table and we will eat Chipotle together and we will talk yes. and we will cry and we will tell uh-huh. stories. And and I think that, that I needed that permission as a place to start. Mm-hmm. That like to gather people around your table at the, like if you need to do bare minimum or yes. something, like yes. everyone get Chipotle, that's allowed. Oh yeah. I have but- a friend that went to Wendy's drive-thru and would get the chili and get tons of the chili. And then she'd come home and she'd put it in a pot. And and you know what? And she'd have people over and people didn't even know. And it was so funny when she told me that because I was like, oh my gosh, that is that is absolutely terrible and wonderful all, all at, the, at same the same time. time. And I applaud you that you are not going to even allow the fact that you don't want to cook to stop you. And that Wendy's as chili, you know? So I cannot, I will, that is hilarious. I'm like almost mad. I didn't. Yeah. It's, it's like so bad, but so good. And like, I'm a tiny bit mad. I didn't think of it. (laughs) That's so true. But the other thing is too, and yes, you got to give yourself some permission, uh, but you can also delegate. And that's another thing that we don't like to do, but it's, it's like, okay, Hey guys, I'll have the soup. Yo, you bring the bread from the place and can you bring a salad and can you bring a dessert? And then all you had to do was make some soup. And I think that's another thing is we think we got to do it all. We think, you know, don't you love it when people are like, just bring yourself. Well, that's great. But sometimes we need you to bring also a baguette, you know, or something. And, and that I think gives us a little bit of freedom too. when we feel like we don't have to do the whole thing. Yes. Yes. That's, that's been a go-to for me and for, for my friends too. So this is so good. I love everything that we're talking about. And you've mentioned this a couple of times, Kelly, that like our lives are really busy. And I think that there's some truth to that. And then I also think that we make, I know, we know this about ourselves. We know one, we are actually really busy Two, We know that when we really value something, we can usually find some time for it. Exactly. Like, we can usually wiggle a little bit. So exactly. knowing that those things are both true, we are really busy that's, that is true. But also when something's important to us, we can wiggle a little bit. How do we do that? How do we make space to gather our people around the table in our busy Mm -hmm. lives? Well, you just, you nailed it on the head. We're going to, we all have 24 hours in a day. Everybody has the same amount of time in a day and we're going to do what's most important to us. And again, I think a lot of it gets you you want to you want to start planning and you don't want to make things too difficult. So a lot of times, you know, especially at the top of the year, we have all these resolutions and we think, okay, out of the gates for the every day in January, I'm going to do an all organic meal every single night and everybody's going to be around the table and I'm also going to invite friends over and we set these things that are just so totally unrealistic. So I would, you know, sit down with your spouse or if you're single with your friends and just really think about, okay, what are a few simple things that I can do, even if I'm cutting back on fast food or takeout two nights this week, what meal can I make that we can also have leftovers? How can I get my kids involved? Because that's another thing. Like I have, I have my little neighbor that comes over all the time and she always wants to help. And we know that helping is not helping when they're four or five. <laughs> helping is not very helpful. <laughs> it's, it's not helpful, but it's helpful for them because they're going to learn what it means to be around you, what ingredients go together, you know, how to handle pots and knives and pans and boiling water. And so I think that we, we have to be committed to the end goal here. And I think also, as I was thinking about you talking about how we're tired and then we don't want to have to put the meal together because we're tired. But then I like, you know, for instance, last night, my friends and I did steak on the grill, um, some vegetables, that we tossed and some sauteed mushrooms and some sweet potatoes and regular potatoes. I mean, nothing that truly nothing that was very difficult. Now I, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, do I really want to slice up these vegetables? Do I really want, you know, get the meat out on the grill, whatever it might be. And you think about all the things you don't want to do, but the end game is that I was going to sit down at the table with four of my closest friends and we were going to be able to have really good conversation and really good tasting food. And to me, that's where I'm like, 
everything is worth it. Now, Every so often, yeah, do you want to sit with a taco in front of the television with your friend? Fine. But that just can't be every night with our families and with our loved ones. We've we've got to relish the community and the conversation and the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The cadence of having something that we can all rely on at the end of the day. We Like we all know when I was growing up, we all knew that we would end up at the table with our, with my parents and the siblings. Now I know that there are people who are divorced or they're single mom or they don't have kids. And that's not that I'm not trying to put a picture perfect thing out there, but there's a lot of ways. Like I'm single. I don't have children. I don't have a spouse. And I sit down to meals most every night with, with either my in-town family or my friends. So I think there's lots of ways to make this work, uh, but we just have to be committed to the to the end goal, which are which are people and and valuable conversation. Which, you know, in thirty years we're going to remember the conversations, and we're going to be changed by the conversations. In thirty years, we are not going to remember or be changed by what we were scrolling through on Instagram or you know on the television. And I am preaching that to myself. So, first and foremost, I feel like everyone's just sitting here. Like, I'm pretty sure everyone else's face looks like my face because it's all of us. Just like. Okay. All right. Let's take a deep breath. Let that sink in. It is so true. Yes, Kelly. Yes, it is true. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done, and that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. 
The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Around here, we talk a lot about friendship and Mm -hmm. wanting to make more friends, wanting to connect more deeply. And I think that this is a tool that we have. Like you said this before, you know, everyone, everyone has to eat. That is something we all have in common. And Mm -hmm. so if you all have to eat, like I'm picturing my best friend has two little boys and her neighbor has a little girl and they're at their house probably at 5.30 every night, like figuring out what to do for meals. Sometimes they do that together. And like, that's beautiful. That's more fun for everybody. We all have to eat. And so if we know that, then whether it's you know, breakfast, meeting for breakfast with some friends once a week, or whether it's, you know, lunch with our coworkers, we make a kind of a plan, do something together, or whether it's dinner, like we all have to eat. And so we Mm -hmm. can use that as, as an excuse, as a time to, to like, if we're going to, yeah, if we're going to all eat, let's just all eat together. Well, and also the cooking part, like you were saying about the tool, that eating part together is a tool, but the cooking part together is a tool too. And instead of saying, okay, everybody meet at this awesome restaurant, which, you know, that's fun. It has its place. You could say, okay, everybody, here's what we're going to make together. You bring a bag of rice, you bring the whole chicken, you bring the whatever, and then everybody comes and you make it together. And that's Mm. what really changed me in my Bible studies is that it, it quickly turned from me making the meal to my friends coming over and just trying stuff. I mean, I remember one of my friends, like she made Indian for us one night. And back when, you know, I feel like it's now like a hundred years ago when I was in my twenties, I was like, oh my goodness. You know, my friend, Anna Dara, she made Indian for us. And that just felt so like, what? Because she was using cumin and she was using masala. And now these are things that I use, you know, every so often when I make Indian, they're not that foreign to me anymore, but we got to do that together. So it's not just the it's not just the the eating part. Cook, do a cooking class together. Do a knife skills class together. You know, and if that and if that's too pricey, do your own cooking class. I mean, that's the beauty is we can all get together and just try stuff and then all sit down and eat it. And I think that's really I think that's really fun. It's very connecting. It's very very connecting and you're exactly right. It's a tool that I don't think we're tapping into. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, so I have some some specific questions. One of them is you know, I think as we're listening to this, we have some different like things popping up in our head. One of them might be, uh, I don't have a big, great big house or a great big kitchen or a great Mm -hmm. big table. Like truly what are the space and kitchen appliance requirements to make something like this doable? Such a great question. And it sounds like you've traveled a lot because you mentioned, you mentioned that you've been all over the world and stuff. So if you've traveled a lot, then the, you know, what I know and what other people who've traveled a lot know is that you go over to Europe and everybody's spaces are like 400 square feet. You know, their kitchens are closets and you go to someplace like the Amazon jungle where, you know, and they're in huts, you go to Eastern Europe. You, I haven't been everywhere, but what I know for sure is that America has the largest spaces and the biggest kitchens and the hugest entertaining spaces. So even if you think you have the smallest, even if you're like in a New York city apartment and you feel like you have a tiny space, people for hundreds of years have been cooking out of the tiniest little kitchens and they have been entertaining in the tiniest spaces. So just let that go. I promise you put a a good, healthy whole meal together or a good dessert together or whatever. It doesn't matter what you've got. And when I started all this cooking, I was in a 900 square foot condo. And I, I mean, it was, it was one bedroom and then it was a kitchen and off the kitchen was this tiny little living room. There's in, in a bathroom inside the bedroom. I mean, that's, so you had to go through my bedroom to use the bathroom. And that's where I did the bulk of my entertaining and cooking was in that little space. I did not have a cool, 
oven. I didn't have a cool kit, you know, fridge at the time, I mean, you know? So just know that the rest of the world isn't operating like us and they're doing just fine and they're making great meals. So I would say focus on focus on the ingredient more than the surrounding. Like I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in like, if you can, if you're going to spend a little extra money, spend it on getting like good meat, good cut of meat, good vegetables, good butter, you know, fr- just, just fresh whole seasonal ingredients. And it doesn't matter what your space is. People are going to come. So try not to let that stand in the way. I think we, we do, we get bogged down by Pinterest and Instagram. We think, oh my gosh, it has to look amazing. It has to look like a Williams-Sonoma catalog. And that's just not reality. And that, that was one of the heart, that was another thing behind this cookbook is talking about hospitality tips that we included. So you can do really budget friendly things, whether it's fresh cut flowers or whatever it might be to not make yourself feel like you have to have a mansion and it has to look beautiful. I, there, I feel like this, this part of it is my favorite part, like creating spaces and inviting people into places that feel restorative and cozy. And, um, it's funny, my small group are the small group that Carl and I are in. Um, we don't normally meet at our house, but we have been the last couple of weeks and I love it. And yeah. one of my friends in my small group was saying that she really loves, um, the candles I have around. And that's just kind of one of my, fa- I mean, that's one of my favorite ways of making cozy space is I like turn off the crazy overhead lights. I have a bunch of candles in the middle of my table, a bunch of candles in the middle of my coffee table, one in my kitchen. And it just is amazing how that and some soft music in the background just, and some, blankets, just yeah. we all kind of cozy in. And the last couple of times, I'm not even really a tea drinker, but I've been making, I've had tea out for everybody. Just kind of felt like that's what the moment needed. And, and really they're such simple things. Like tea lights are one of my favorite things. You get a tea light holder for a dollar at Michael's, and then you can get tea lights that are like, I don't know, a hundred for $4 or something like that. And then right. all of a sudden so you have candlelight for, for years. And it just, yes. it really makes it so magical no matter what your space looks like. Exactly. It's just little things. And then also, and that we don't talk as much about this too, but just even having your heart ready, like preparing your heart, that even if people catch you off guard and your house isn't exactly how you thought, and but if you're ready to serve and to be a listening ear and to be a, a voice of encouragement, then that's going to be such a blessing to people. And that's the thing, like I pray before, you know, not every single time, but I really have been trying to be mindful about praying before people come over to my house for a meal, even if it's just simple, even if it's my little nieces and nephews coming over for nachos and football game or whatever, because I just know that anytime we're with people, the Lord can use that to, for us to bless other people. And so I just think, yeah, just prepping, like just how you're saying, like lighting the candle and having the music ready, but then also getting your heart ready too, where if somebody comes in and they need something that, that your spirit's right and ready to, to be, to be a blessing and to be a help. So I, sometimes I just put way too much emphasis on what everybody can see. Mm-hmm. And I totally forget like, okay, I'm in the worst mood right now and I'm just being nasty. You know, <laughs> I, I need to repent of this and get to a place where I'm in a, the right spirit. Cause you know, at the end of the day, that's what's the most important that people are going to be remembered and be blessed by. Yeah. So that's just like a little, that's a little freebie. Well, to, to, <laughs> just a little extra. Um, I, I love that. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the most like sacred times I've had in over meals or at people's houses and they have not been in the fanciest places at all. It's like, yeah. you know, we're all crowded into my friend's living room in her apartment or, um, my girlfriend Carly yes. is one of the best hosts and she had a Friendsgiving last year and they put their couch on their, on like on the porch of their apartment to just get it out of the way. And I mean, they fit like 18 of us in this really small living room. I don't know how they did it, but they had to like get rid of their couch for the evening yes. to make it happen. Yes. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it was just magical. And the other thing is, you know, there have been some times, you know, a couple that I'm thinking of in, in particular when friends have come over almost like in distress, you know, something's going on, something hard is happening. And when they come over, like my house is a disaster, but I think that that's in a way like the most, those are, those times are the most sacred times because in the same way that us showing up vulnerably to someone else shows them that they're welcome, even if they don't have it all together. Like I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. We're safe here. Exactly. I feel like our messy houses are the same way. Like in some ways, I don't mean to like 
an extent. You know, once we get into like yeah. stinky territory, that's like maybe too far. But um, I think that our messy houses in a way are like an invitation to open up. Like, it's hey, disarming. I, I, yes, it is. It is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I totally agree. So speaking of people, I think that this is the most daunting part. Who do we invite? How many people do we invite? And what if everyone says no? <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> well, here, all right, here's the thing. I mean, the first one, I would say the first two are legitimate, but like who really, I mean, I feel like people aren't going to say no to all these great listeners out there that are thinking about inviting people over. I don't think you have to worry about that so much, I, but I, I will say, yeah, who, who are you inviting? Well, first of all, we know that at least as a, as somebody who follows Jesus, I, I see Jesus ministering to two different types of people. Those who were following him, those who believed in him. And so I think about, okay, great. I can have people who are also Christ followers over it. We can, we can encourage one another. We can pray for one another. But then I also saw him eating with people who weren't, didn't know who he was, weren't interested at the time. Maybe they were the religious elite, or maybe they were like the quote unquote, like sinner sinners. So I, I think we need to be doing a combination. We, we need to have people over maybe there are certain nights where we go, okay, this is for people. These are for my Christian friends that I really, we really want to be able to go deep in some areas. Or we may say, you know what? I want to have some people over like my neighbors or whoever. And they're just, they don't know about the Lord yet, or that's not really high on their list, but I want to use this as a way to get to know them, to minister to them. And then of course we can do joint things too, which I think are fabulous. So I would pray about that. And I'd also just think about, again, we're, we know we want to cook for our loved ones. We know we want to cook for our friends. But what about those people who maybe they don't have a place? Maybe they don't have they don't have anybody to that's inviting them over, and they're starting the new year sad and lonely. Those people are not going to turn you down. I mean, they're just not. And so, how can we also make a place at our table for people who who are hurting and who are struggling? I think that's I think that's really important. This is not just about serving people. It's not just about upping our profile. And, but it's, it's also like what Jesus talks about in Luke's gospel, where he says, have people over that can't do anything in return for you. And how often are we really taking that? How long are we, how often are we really taking that seriously? Where we really are having people over that really can't return, return the favor. And, uh, so, and then in, in, if you, if you're caught, if you're worried about your house size, well, have four people over, have three people over, or have one other couple over, or whatever it might be and, and start attainable. Don't, you know, if you've never cooked before, maybe don't start with 20 people, but, you know, have your guest list and then decide what it is that you want to make. And then I, then just go from there. And then I would say do as much ahead of time as you can. And that's what Regina, who's my co-author of this cookbook has helped me with so much. I always waited till the last minute. And then I would just like cook in a frenzy. And she was like, oh, no, 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 Kelly. Like there's so much you can do ahead of time. Even boiling your pasta. I didn't know this. You can boil it the night before, drain it, put it in like a Ziploc bag in your fridge. And then the next day you can come back and right before your dinner guests come over, you can throw all that cooked pasta in just a a pot of boiling water for like 10 seconds. And then you just drain it again and it's ready. And she's like, it will taste exactly as if you just got it out, but you're not wondering like, when is that pot going to boil? And you know, it's all that crazy, crazy stuff. Rice you can do ahead of time. Soups you can do ahead of time. Any kind of casserole, salads, you can get everything chopped. You can get the lettuce washed. So I would say do, do ahead of time. That way, if anything goes wrong, you've got a little space and you're not in a frenzy. Cause I'm to I have typically been in a frenzy before people come over and now I'm trying to get ahead of things. And that helps eliminate a lot of pressure. I love that. And I'm so glad that you said that about like people who are hurting or lonely and that they're not going to say no. And I, you know, I think it was, I think I, I, I need to look up the exact quote, but I, I heard Jen Hatmaker say something one time where she talked about provide friends and community for other people. And you'll find that you have it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes we are I think that there's a part of us that still feels like the same as we did when we were in middle school, like looking for a place to put our lunch tray, like feeling like you don't have friends is so, is just, it feels so, I don't know. We don't talk about it very much. I think it just is. It's like, that's something you're supposed to have figured out when you learn to share. And if you don't have it figured out, or if you don't have a good community of friends, I think the lie that we believe is that like, we're not lovable or we're not likable. And it's a really hard thing to 
to get over. But the, I mean, the truth is we all find ourselves in seasons of life for different reasons where we need more friends. Like making friends is a constant process throughout our yes. lives. And if you're feeling lonely today, you are not the only one by any means. I would say that most people in the world feel lonely. I mean, or feel like they could at least use two more close people in their life. And so I think that when we think so, so knowing though, that it's such a vulnerable thing to say, Hey, I need more friends. I need more people in our lives. I love this way of sort of flipping the script where we sort of like, okay, I'm going to forget about the fact that I'm really lonely, but I'm going to go after the people who are lonely and provide a place to rest and a place to be and a place to be known. And I think that, I think especially as women, that's like, we feel more empowered that way. I'm going to, I'm going to help you. In the meantime, yes. though, creating community and gathering people together also creates it for you for you as well. And so I really like that, that like flipping of the script. But so talk us through, though, I think, you know, as women are kind of doing a survey of the people in their lives, maybe they have some family in town, maybe they have some longtime best friends in town. I know that a lot of us, though, are living in places where we didn't grow up. And we're living in places where, you know, we've only been there for a couple of years. We have some coworkers. We have some kind of loose friends at church. You know, we have a couple of girls who we were connected to a while back or something like that. Talk us through the process of reaching out to these people who aren't our like lifetime, no matter what friends yet. Like, how do we know if we're close enough to say, Hey, do you want to come to my house to dinner? Is it really that simple? Like, I don't, and I don't know if this feels like a block for anybody else, but I think it's part of the, part of the, like, miss, like we're kind of, we, this is not one of our skills, I think currently. So let me ask you, cause yes, it totally does. And I want to tap into that because I'm curious to know, especially you being, I'm, cause I can see you and you're quite a bit younger than I am. So tapping into your, your exact generation is it much easier to say to coworkers like that, say, Hey, meet me at the bar for happy hour or meet me for at a restaurant. Is, is that accessible? Like, is that a normal thing? And whereas you feel like me pulling people into the house, all of a sudden there's like this, that's like, gets a little intimate. It, t- tell me where that's coming from. And then I'm going to try to speak into it. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, guys, you can like send, send Kelly and I messages on Instagram. Cause I want to hear if I'm the only one who sees it this way, but like, I think that asking someone to coffee is yeah. really, it seems pretty easy for most of us, especially okay. in the church. Like that's, you know, we kind of have some language for that. That doesn't feel like that big of a commitment. And then, you know, the closer we get saying, do you want to meet for dinner? I mean, I think that with coworkers, lunch is pretty easy because uh-huh. you're like, you know, you all have to eat and you all are together in the middle of the day. So I think lunch is a yeah. little bit easier, but yeah, it, inviting someone over to our space feels, it feels like a bigger step or a like big, a bigger commitment. A big intimacy. And part of that too could be too, we're also in this world where we're texting more than we're talking. Yes. And we're, you know, so it, there, we could, it is very possible that, yeah, the barriers are getting, like the, the divide is getting wider, but that's where I would say, then bring several people. Like, like don't, you don't have to just say, Hey, to one person, like, do you want to come to my house for dinner? Or, but where, if it's coworkers, you know, say, okay, guys, you know, I want to do like ladies night, whatever at my house, I'm going to make this dish. And I want you guys to all come over and you, you know, you have six of them or seven of them. And then nobody's feeling too weird because everybody's coming together. You know, you can always take that approach or, Hey, after work, come over for apps and, you know, drinks or whatever, whatever your kind of circle is, or after church, come for brunch, you know, Mm -hmm. where, where people are already out and about. And then there's like a group of people that are coming over. If you're married, I would say, to me, that feels natural to have another couple over or to have two yeah. couples over. And that that's a little bit more doable, maybe. And then let's say that you let's say you have those seven people over and from your office and you really connect with someone and you really feel like, wow, I could really I, I could either really enjoy this person or I could really serve this person who's needs it. Then you can always have them back even by themselves. And then it's not so weird because you've already kind of had this one, this one thing, but I, you, I will say though, you are right. It, 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 it's weird to me because in so many other cultures, it's just so natural for people to be in and out of one's homes and yes. it has gotten so segregated here. And I don't know, I don't, maybe segregated, it's not the right word, but like, it's just, we isolated maybe is better. And I don't know what to do about it except for to keep having groups over 
yeah. that's the only way, um, like, yeah, like I invited somebody over recently that I didn't know very well, but who I knew needed it. And it was going to be a little weird for me just to ask her just because we didn't know each other. So I asked two other people. I asked one of my best friends and then I asked one of her best friends. And then that oh, worked great. Awesome. Yep. So maybe that's, maybe that was the long winded answer. Yes. No. And I feel like you answered that perfectly because it really is. I think as our, and you spoke to this earlier, but as our proficiency in technology goes up, I yeah. think that like in that kind of communication, I think that our ability to communicate face-to-face has gone down a little bit. And I think one of the places I see that most is in how scary it is to make an invitation. Like it is so much easier to say or ask anybody anything when you're doing it online, but saying, hey, in person, like, do you want to come to my house? I mean, even for me and like community is huge to me. Girls' nights are my favorite obviously. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and, you know, friendship is something that I've fought for in every season of my life, but there are still moments when I feel kind of naked inviting people over mm-hmm. to my house because what, because I'm like, what if they say no, but mm-hmm. the, there have been a couple of things that have made it easier. I, so I love that. If, if there are people that you don't know super well, inviting a group and having it be sort of a pre-established group, like it's our whole small group or it's, it's yes. everyone I work with or whatever. Another thing is, this has just been for my heart and maybe nobody else needs this, but if I'm inviting a group of, if I'm inviting more than like two or three friends, then it's a, it feels like a more of a group. And Mm -hmm. then I try to invite a couple extra, like a couple more people than I necessarily think will come because inevitably someone has a conflict or something happens last minute or whatever. And I think that like, if it's a small group, I feel like people are more like committed or feel more like, like they're, I don't know. It's if someone says, Hey, yeah, yeah. Like, will you come to my house for dinner? That's a very individual invitation. But if you're doing more of like a group thing, I think that like, I don't know, it just protects my heart a little bit to so that it's like, I don't end up with just to, to give myself a little bit of space, knowing that if some people last minute, something happens and can't come like, it's just, it doesn't mean the whole group has fallen apart. It's, it's sure, just, sure. That I don't know if, sense. Yeah. if that's yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. Well, you're, it's like, it's like airlines, they overbook <laughs> because they know certain people aren't going to necessarily show up. So you're yes. trying to maximize your time too. But there, there are two things that make me think that, that you said that tap on two things. First of all, it is vulnerable to send out an invitation because you're right. What if people don't come? But there's also a second piece to that too. It's also, and I'm finding this increasingly where people are nervous to go because of social anxiety or, I I mean, it's like this epidemic where, I mean, uh, literally just in the last two days, I've heard people say, well, I don't know. That's a lot of people. I don't know. I'm I'm just really nervous in crowds or I'm, or the reverse, or that's not enough people. I can't really hide in that crowd. And so there's anxiety on both sides. I think there's anxiety that what if we're rejected? And then there's anxiety of, oh, I don't know that I'm that like I have social anxiety and that stresses me out. And we're, and, but we're going to just have to start practicing. I mean, we're, we're, if we're going to get good at this, we're just going to have to start practicing getting around people and cooking. And we can't just, and we're also, you know what? And I hate to say it, and I'm saying this to myself, we are going to have to be okay with rejection on some level. And we're, because, because there's, because there's enough people that are going to say yes, that we're going to bless. And if we don't extend because we're afraid of rejection, then we're going to miss the blessings that God has for us on both sides of that relationship. And I've had to tell myself that recently, like, okay, if that person says no, then they say no, and you're, it's, you're going to be okay, you know, but we have to be willing to risk rejection and we've got to be willing to start practicing hospitality, cooking, community, and none of us are going to walk in as experts. And I really think that if we can get in there, that we're going to see a lot of change in our lives. Kelly, I, I love that so much. It, it's like, that sounds simple and it sounds obvious, but it's not, it is just not mm-hmm. practicing. Like guys, we are not naturally going to be good at this because we're never good at anything the first time we yeah. try. And we and, haven't grown up with it. Most of us, we've got, we've grown up going through the f- fast food, you know, or whatever. So it's, exactly. Like, I mean, it's funny The girls who have listened uh, to the podcast for a long time know that I was super nervous about starting this podcast, you know, to however long it's been two years ago. 
And the thing that got me through was this phrase that I just said to myself over and over and over again, that it's okay to be a beginner. And I think that we just forget that. Like we just forget Mm -hmm. that, that we see people who are great at something and we forget that there was ever a time when they weren't good at it. And there was a time and they pressed through that like those failures, those rejections, all the times they got it wrong, all the burned soup or whatever. Yes. And, but it was through that repetition that they got better at it. And so I think that that's so true when it comes to community, when it comes to vulnerability, when it comes to cooking, when it comes to hosting, like it gets better with practice. And I can say that Mm -hmm. as someone who used to be a horrible cook, like I've gotten so much better. And I, I mean, having people in my home is actually something that feels really normal and natural. And life-giving to me now, but it has taken some practice because I wasn't always good at it. So I just, Kelly, that is such, that is so good. Thank you so much for saying that. Oh, that's awesome. You're so cute. You're like, so I wish everybody could see your face because you're just like such a, a, like a fun encourager across the way. So I'm (laughs) glad that that's resonating. Um, so just before we go, Kelly, is there any, like just last piece of encouragement you have for women who are thinking, I need more community in my life. I want to connect more deeply with people. And I think that there might be really something to this hosting, cooking, gathering people around my table, like to women who are wanting more of that kind of nourishment in their lives. Mm -hmm. What's just some last encouragement you have for them? Yeah. Just step out and start doing it. And it's exactly what you just said that we, we cannot be experts. We're never going to get from beginners to, you know, uh, practitioners until we just start doing it. And I don't think that there's any big way to start. It's just, it, it starts with a phone call. It starts with, or an email or a text or whatever to get people to, to come over. You, if you're intimidated, do it with someone else, do it with your spouse, do it with a friend. Don't, you know, don't let fear get in the way. And if you need to delegate, have some people bring some other things, start with something that you, that start simple and start with something that you've tested ahead of time or something that you can make ahead of time that you know is great. And then you can reheat it or whatever it might be. And just open up your home, ask the Lord to give you opportunity, ask him to put certain people on your heart, ask him to give you courage and just, and then, you know, there's so many different recipes, whether it's this cookbook, a place at the table, or it's online, or it's all the other millions of cookbooks that you can get your hands on, or just Googling recipes. We have the resources and just, just do it. And people will come for food. I'm pretty convinced they will. That's the thing. It's, you're not asking them for a board meeting, you know, you're asking them like lunch or dinner or brunch. So true. People want this. They had, they, so few people have sat down to good home-cooked meals. They're going to want to come. That's so good. Okay. This is maybe a little wild, but I'm going to ask you anyway, as women are looking ahead at, you know, the rest of 2020, yeah. can you give us a, a dare? Like, <laughs> ha, like have, I don't, I don't know, like give us a, a Julie and Julia or challenge. challenge. <laughs> yes. Give us yeah. a challenge. Like, you know, have, have people over to our house, once a blank for whatever, or cook this yeah. many re- or something like that. Give us, give us yeah. a challenge. I'm a little yeah. nervous. I was, I'm asking yeah. you. No, no, this. no. It's just, I mean, <laughs> I mean, but a great challenge depending on where you're at is have one dinner party a month. You know, that's 12. You'll have 12 in 2020. And for that dinner party, also challenge yourself to not just have your six best friends every single time. You know, you, so you got you to gotta change that up. You can have your six best friends, but then you also have one where it's your neighbors or have one where it's people from your kid's school um, or from wherever, whatever it may be, or people from church that you don't know very well, but that you would like to get to know or somebody who can't serve you back. Um, maybe it is one to two home-cooked meals a week for your family. If you've got little ones and you are just, all you do right now is fast food and out to eat. Maybe it's just one or two home cooked meals a week. Those would be, those would be two little challenges that I would give us for 2020. I love that. I love that. Kelly, done, done. We're going to do this. <laughs> awesome. Let's do it. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I just loved getting to connect with you friends. Oh, thank you so much, Stephanie. It's been awesome. And I've loved being with everybody who's tuning in. You guys, isn't Kelly amazing? I love her and I love this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. So if you want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to our brand new podcast website. I'm so excited about this. Can you tell? So the website is girlsnightpodcast.com. And for every episode, we'll have a blog post with the show notes. 
All the links will be there for everything we talked about, including all of Kelly's contact info, so you guys can follow her and so y'all can be friends. Other thing I wanted to mention is if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you take just a quick second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all. You've left the sweetest comments, and I cannot tell you how much it means to me. It also helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, please take one quick second to leave a rating and a review. Thank you so much. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night, and trust me, you're going to love this episode. See you then. See you then.